0: If you've been part of this church, you may do our daily readings together, and it's been a bit different this month, because normally we would do like a chapter a day, but we're working our way through Philippians, and I've really enjoyed it. At first I was a bit like, "Well, oh, this could be a bit, I want to read more, but like reading a verse or two verses a day, but I've really loved looking at it and spending time within each verse and really getting the most out of it, and I'm going to read from today's reading in a few moments, but I checked with Pastor Jim that it would be okay to do that, uh, to do this. Today, to start this service, because we're going to have a bit of a, in my opinion, this will test the the spiritual temperature of our church. Okay? (laughs) This question, it might get a bit divisive, but that will test. We're all about unity, so we're all friends here. But basically, my my question is this, and I want a response, so I'll explain the response in a moment. But my question is if you are out for dinner, and it's a two course menu, Mm -hmm. everyone has a main course, but you can have a starter and a main, or you can have a main, and a dessert. Now, don't overthink it. The menu has everything you like on it, so it's not like, oh, it depends what's on the menu, or it depends how I'm feeling. Generally speaking, what I would like you to do, if you would have started in main, I would like you to stay seated. If you would have a main course, and a dessert, I would like you to stand, if so. Okay? Now, everyone who's currently standing, I would like you to make an orderly queue and please leave through the But I'm just kidding. <laughs> just because, in my opinion, you're absolutely wrong. Uh, I'm glad the majority agree with me. Starter. I mean, I say that as if I'm like this food connoisseur. Really, I just like dessert. Like, I like, sorry, I like soup. So see if I go in and there's no soup on the menu, I think, is this even a real restaurant? And when it comes to dessert, my favorite dessert is vanilla ice cream. So I'm probably the most boring person ever. But that was just for a bit of fun and to get you on your feet uh, a little bit, well, some of you who are incorrect. But the reality is, it's funny because my message title this morning, ironically, is called The Proof is in the Puddin. The Proof is in the pudding. Now, that's a phrase that pretty much means the evidence speaks for itself, as in when you see it, well, it's clear that the proof is in the pudding. But I want to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24, and it's Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and it says this, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. And I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you. Soon. And we'll stop there. So Paul is writing to this church in Philippi that he really deeply cares about. Clearly he has a really strong personal connection with them. And he's talking about this young person within Paul's f- sphere of influence called Timothy. One of the people on the journey with him, one of his prodigies, his disciples, even though he's, he's probably one of the ones he wrote about when he says, well, follow me as I follow Jesus. And Timothy has clearly been with Paul for a while and he's proved himself that Paul now is able to send him on assignment. But there's three things that I notice in this passage about Timothy that I think really can speak to us that we should try our best or hopefully reflect in our lives as we follow Jesus, in order that we can become more like him. Because I want us to be a church. I want to be a person who people can say, well, the proof is in the pudding. Look at David's life, and it reflects Jesus, hopefully, or at least hopefully always growing in that. And the first thing I know here about Timothy is that he was selfless. Timothy had a genuine care for the church. It wasn't about Timothy, but it was all about Jesus and others. Timothy wasn't arrogant. He wasn't someone who thought, well, if I do this then I'll get more back. When you have a genuine welfare for someone you don't really care about, you give to give not giving to get. See, you see you can't be selfless and not be blessed. That's I mean, we automatically get more back from God when we give to him. Like that's just how the math works. I can't explain it, but it does, but it's not the motivation, it's not the heart behind what we're trying to do. You see, the blessing that comes from putting others first and living selflessly is far greater than any blessing I could get from my own selfish desires. see, I remember a long time ago, and this is going way back, and it was a real challenge to me. It was, as God, I believe, reminded me of it. But we used to have like our church awards nights where the year we would honor people and there was one particular year where everyone got to vote, and there was different categories, and it was hilarious, because it was like the Oscars, and you genuinely sat at tables, and you thought you had different hosts, and we didn't know who the nominees were. Well, the leaders, obviously, and the church did at the time, and so it would be the nominations are, and you would sit, and you don't think anything of it, and I remember it was it was quite funny. Um, so we're sitting at our table, and it's the Faithfulness Award, and I was like, Oof. That's an award. And so then the nominations get read out, and there's people like Auntie Mima, Owen Pearson, and then my name got read out. And I was like, what? Like genuinely, I was completely shocked. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, so was I. And uh, clearly he didn't vote for me. And, and, um, but I was genuinely shocked, and the, the, the award went to Antimame. Now, if you never ever met Auntie Mima, she's like, if she'd been around when the Bible was written, she would be in Hebrews when it talks about the heroes of the faith. Like, she would be in there. And so, to, and I was like, well, why even? I shouldn't have even been nominated. Like, come on, Church, do better. Why are you not nominating me? But then the next award was um, the Lifestyle Award, and it was split into age categories. And again, I got nominated, and I was so shocked. I didn't win again. And I was like. Okay, now I'm feeling a bit like Leonardo DiCaprio at the Oscars. I'm nominated, but now, no. but I'm just kidding. I didn't expect to win that either. It was an incredible honour to be nominated. And I remember, then came the Selfless Award. Now, the person who won the Selfless Award was a guy called D Masifa, who is probably one of the nicest people you've ever met on planet Earth. I'm not joking. I mean, he is honestly. He would like be tired. He would come off night shift and he would come and sit, and it was just like the nicest person. But again. I was nominated, and I thought, what is going on? (laughs) But then God reminded me this week, and it was such a challenge because I'm not bigging myself up. I know that's probably what it looks like, but I'm really not. But he challenged me this week to say, if the church was to vote now, would you still be nominated? And it just cut through all of the, the memories to be like, and it wasn't about being nominated, but it was just that challenge of, does my life reflect selflessness? Because when you live a selfless life, it impacts other people. People can't help but notice it. Right now you're probably thinking of people who have been selfless in your life and you think it's impossible to ignore them. Then we had the Enthusiasm Award and I did win that, so that was that recovered me. (laughs) But but I was just remembered thinking this week about if the proof was in the pudding, would people look at my life? Would people who know me be able to look and think, Do you know what, David, he actually is selfless. And it was a challenge to me thinking, God, help me in any areas where I've been selfish, any areas where I've been made it about me, when he, in any areas when I've done things for selfish gain, God, help me. And I remember this week, I was genuinely like, God, it was a cry of my heart because I firmly believe that when we are selfless, what it does is make other people's lives... Better, and if everyone's selfless, then everyone gets better. Now, my challenge for you and for me is that to just like I had this revelation that I guess I'm sharing with you that, like, to just in a quiet place with God, say, God, show me this, show me the areas where I've been so selfish or where I've made it about me and it's not about being silly whether that's not what God wants but genuinely it's the heart of God if I'm doing this because I want some prestige or I'm doing this because I, have to, I get something back or is it genuinely and it's not that you shouldn't get something back but if it's the heart of just saying God I'm doing this because I want to make others lives better. God I'm doing this because my life isn't about me it's all about you and I have to die to myself in order that you get glorified through me. You see selflessness isn't actually about other people it's about me, it's about my heart, and it's who I choose to be. The second thing I know about Timothy, not only was he selfless, but he served. We can sometimes think of the word serve and just think, you might think Dennis, but you might just think it's just doing stuff. But actually, our whole lives are called to be lived in service to him, him being Jesus. It doesn't mean that you have to be on every team. It doesn't have to mean you have to serve at every single thing on planet Earth. That's not really it at all. Though it really would be great if you are able to help us serve on uh, July 29th on Saturday for Presswick Promenade Day. Uh, if you have no idea what that is, you can find out at the connection point. But we really want to serve our community because it's part of who we are. It's part of our purpose is to serve and it's quite a significant day for us. But you see, serving is an honor. Service can't be, if we just view serving as things that we have to do instead of that we get to do it. If we look at it from a perspective of we get to do this for Jesus. (laughs) Because I firmly believe that if Jesus was physically here, of course we would serve him. We would all serve tables. We would all do whatever it took to serve him. Why? Because he's Jesus. So just because he's not here physically in person, we should still have the same heart to say, you know what, everything I do, I'm doing it unto the Lord. And it might make him... I mean, I'm tired, and I don't mean you burn yourself out, but guess what? How many of us, how many days of the year would you go to work if you only went when you weren't tired? For me, it would not be many. Because like said, if we only done things when we weren't tired or we weren't busy, we would never do anything. So guess what? See if you're feeling a bit tired. Serve anyway. Don't burn yourself out, but serve anyway. Like, get involved in teams, get involved in church, get involved in what we're doing, not because we need you, we do, but actually because ultimately we live a life of service to him. That's what we're called to. I don't really have many regrets in life, but I do have one big one. In 2012, the London Olympic Games took place, obviously in London, here. I love sports. I was a sports student. And we had the opportunity as a nation to go and serve, to volunteer. And I bottled it. I was too scared, I was too worried about all the logistics. But you know what, ever, not ever since, it's not like a daily regret or anything like that, but I just think, looking back, I wish I had been able to, I wish I had been brave enough to serve. It would have cost me time, energy, money, because you had to pay for everything yourself. But I look back and think, what an opportunity I had to be part of something that I'm never gonna get a chance to do that again. If the, if the Olympics come back here, I'd be way too old to volunteer. Way too old. And I think, what an opportunity I missed. But the reality is, how much more is it to be able to serve the king of kings? I never want to miss an opportunity to serve him. Because the Olympics, maybe I will get another chance. Maybe I don't want to. I had my chance. But the reality is, I get the opportunity to serve the king of kings. The one who is above all, the one who literally we've sang about who took nails from me, who, carried, who served me by carrying a cross and putting nails in his allowing people to put names. I mean, when you read about Jesus, oh, like I, I, I didn't think I was going to say it and get emotional, but I just think this one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible to me. There's loads of them. But it's when Jesus is on a cross with nails in his hands and he's been spat on and beaten beyond repair knowing that he doesn't deserve it everything, I mean he was 100% God, 100% man so he felt all of the pain, he felt all the emotions that we feel like none of us will ever, no matter what you've gone through in life it will never come close to what Jesus went through in that moment and then they were crying out to him look, he can save everybody else but he can't save himself And of course he could have saved himself, but that would have meant that he couldn't save you and me. And I just think, how much more do I owe him my life of service? And it will look different to you than it will to me, but Timothy clearly here just serves him. He's like, you know what, whatever I need to do, if I need to go to Philippi, I'm going to Philippi. If I need to go to this church, I'll go to that church. And if I need you to wash dishes, I'll wash dishes. I'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because it's not about me. Jesus came to serve And he he came not because he needed to, but he wanted to show us how to live. You see, being selfless and servant are very similar, but they're not quite the same. Selflessness, for me, is a heart issue. Service is too, but service is what comes out of the overflow of selflessness. You see, serving's an action, but you have to deal with the heart first, so if we become more selfless, then we'll automatically Serve. It follows, it has to. Out of the overflow of the heart, I believe the mouth speaks, but also so do our actions. And the third thing I note here about Timothy is he was sent. He didn't just wander about randomly doing his own thing with no purpose and no connection. In New Life, we have a vision where we want to stretch, strengthen, and send people locally, nationally, and globally. If you're part of this church we want you to understand that for all of us they're not just nice words on a board like, but we want them to become a living reality for you but we want it to become a living reality for us as a group of people you see whenever you find yourself we don't believe that you're just doing a job, we don't believe that you're just in that house for randomly, we don't believe that you just happen to have interactions with people, we believe, or I believe anyway that God has got a plan for your life. That he looked at all of history and all of time because he is out with it, and he thought your time is now. Your place is here. Why? Because the Bible says that he prepared good works in advance that you might walk in them. So it's not an accident that doors open for you. It's God preparing good works for you to walk in them. So So you can go into your office and you can think, I'm just working a job, Or you can go in thinking, I've been sent here on a mission by the God of all creation who controls time, space, and he has works for me to do. You can walk into your neighborhood and have interaction with neighbors and think, well, it's just nice. Or we can look at, no, I have been sent by the creator to this street, to this town, to this nation, to this moment in history. I mean, it's quite crazy when you think about it, but that's how incredible and awesome our God is. You see, we don't get to think like others because we're not like others. We're not better than them, but we have an understanding that God has sent me to reach them. Our job, or our responsibility, as the proof is in the pudding, is to actually help them to see that God also has a plan for their life, that God has a hope for them, and that God has prepared good works in advance that they also might walk in them. You see, I don't... Help others just because it's a nice thing to do, but I do it because it's who I am. I walk with purpose, not because I have to get anywhere, but it's because it's who I am. I'm not just wandering aimlessly. Jesus sent his disciples, and if you believe in him, then you're one of his disciples. And the same call that God put on them to go into all, like Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, is the same call that has been put into you and I to go and make disciples to go and serve and to go and tell others about Jesus. How many of us, and myself included, this is probably the most challenging part of all of it, is we can so easily slip into a mindset of just going through the motions of life. Like we can meet friends and we can have a great laugh, but we never actually really get Jesus into the conversation. Like how many of us, and it's a challenge for me, we've maybe got family members and friends and they kind of know we're believers, but we never actually are... Going in with the mindset of I'm being sent, and I don't mean that we just talk about Jesus all the time. That is not what we're saying at all. But actually, if you've been, if you spend quality time with people who aren't believers in Jesus, and I mean, if I'm talking over months, weeks, years, and you never ever say, "Can I tell you about Jesus?" Then, and I'm not trying to get on it, I'm speaking to me too. But I think that so often we can slip into going through the motions. Of life, and actually, Paul's getting Timothy to understand here that I've been sent to this church because we've got a purpose. We have to reach people for Jesus. It's what we are all about. It can be so easy to just go through life. We are going to Cumnock in August for four Sunday nights. At six pm, it's going to start in the town hall in Cumnock, and we are going to praise. And we're going to lift the name of Jesus up. Why? Because we believe that God has sent us, or sending us, to plant a church and Covenant. And there's going to be ups, and there's going to be downs, but the reality is, he is sent, he's not sending me, he's sending us. We're in this together. And it's going to cost us time, it's going to cost us energy, but we're going to have to be, do you know what, it's not about us. We're gonna be selfless, we're gonna serve because we've been sent and we are believing that there's gonna be lives impacted in that town and the surrounding areas for the name of Jesus. Not because we're brilliant, though oh, you guys are, but it's actually because he is so powerful and he is in control and as we just live our lives to serve him, he'll move, it's what he does. We've sang on about who he is and what he's done, but I'm believing that the best is yet to come. And so get ready for that. We want as many of you there as we can. But the worship team can come back up and I'm nearly finished. But I'm going to explain my T-shirt now. So my T-shirt, for any of you who don't know, they're not actually a real team. But this is the Mighty Ducks. Because we've had some Rod Stewart references. We've had some high school musical references. (laughs) But I couldn't think of any songs about Proof in the so I went movies. But this is a Mighty Ducks top. Now the Mighty Ducks, I think there's a team called the Anaheim Ducks who are a real team. The Mighty Ducks were not real. They were like a 90s movie. This was like me growing up watching The Mighty Ducks. Now, I will not hear a bad word said about The Mighty Ducks. I know they're terrible. <laughs> the production quality's not great. The is terrible. But I grew up with this. I have a bond with The Mighty Ducks. Now, if you don't know anything about The Mighty Ducks, then I'll pray for you afterwards. But The Mighty Ducks... Were, um, the Mighty Ducks basically are a bunch of misfits. Like, they're a bunch of teenage kids who are rubbish at ice hockey. And their coach is a former, like, ice hockey player who gets into trouble with the police and he has to go and coach this team as part of his community service. And Basically, my favorite player was a guy called Adam Banks. That's why his name is on the back of my jersey. Mainly because he was the best player. So maybe I identified with him. I'm just kidding. um, But he was the best player. But the problem was Adam Banks played for the posh team. He played for the posh team, not the mighty ducks. The rich team, the snobby team, the, the best team. The problem was the rules of the league said Adam Banks lived in a certain area so he had to play for the Mighty Ducks. Adam Banks did not want to play with the Mighty Ducks. But he goes on this journey and when you first meet Adam Banks he is an arrogant, selfish, conceited... I mean, he's he's, he's one of those people who is great and he knows it and he acts like it and he doesn't mind everyone else knowing how great he is. But he goes on this journey where like the rest of the team and there's tension and there's drama but basically through the journey of him and the story of the movie like he starts being this selfish and then all of a sudden he realises that the, the, the ones that he was part of the team, they didn't care about him they, didn't, they just wanted him for what he could offer them rather than who he was as a person but this coach and these bunch of misfits who like nobody would have chosen to hang out with. They just get alongside them and there's camaraderie and the walls come down. And, and all of a sudden, instead of being this selfish, conceited so-and-so, he becomes this selfless individual who, even though he's the best player on the team, he recognizes that my job is not just for me to look great, but it's to help everyone else to be great. Because that's when the team wins. And he becomes so selfless. And there's one great part where, like, oh, when they need to win, they of course spoiling the movie, but they play the best team in the final. And basically, there's this moment where Adams Banks is getting so much—he's getting so much abuse, he's getting so much abuse, and he's getting it. But everybody knows the ball is going to go to Adam Banks. He is the best player on the team. And this was his moment of glory, his moment to shine but he gives it to someone else to serve the team and the Mighty Ducks win and they all go quack, 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 quack. It's it's so cheesy, it's unbelievable. But I just, I was reminded of this movie and I thought it's an incredible picture of what we can sometimes be like. When we put ourselves above the team, then the team doesn't function, we're a mess. But actually when we humble ourselves and say, actually, it doesn't matter if I don't get my moment of glory. Because as long as the team wins then the proof's going to be in the pudding and God's the one who gets the glory. Ain't he? And in the next Mighty Ducks film, they get sent to represent Team USA at the Youth Olympics. And so that's when my scent comes in with this movie. But I was thinking about it and I just thought, what an incredible picture. Not that we are the Mighty Ducks but there's just something powerful about the unity that came from the selflessness of each other to the serving one another to then be sent all the way to represent and we represent if we could just be selfless with one another to serve one another and others with a heart that says we're doing this not for me or for you but ultimately for him then we won't be sent for Team USA or Team GB or Team Scotland but we'll be sent from Team Heaven to Team Earth to say you know what we just want to bless you why because we've been called to be a blessing and I firmly believe that I'm looking at it I'm looking around the room full of people who the proof's in the pudding you're not here by accident but you're here because God's moving and because people have been selfless and served faithfully for years and years and years and the challenge for all of us is to just well I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep being selfless as best I can I'm going to keep serving as best I can and I'm going to walk with that purpose that I've been sent by heaven this moment in history in order that people can know him and find freedom in him can we all stand if that's okay I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to close in worship but Father God I thank you that you are so incredibly powerful and majestic and there's no words that we could ever use to this Father God we pray that by your Holy Spirit that in your example and the word that we can be people who live selflessly Father God, help us to keep our hearts pure and right and serve not just for selfish gain or motives, but serve because it's what we do and who we are. Father God, I pray ultimately that we'll move and power, not in any of our strength, but in your power and by your spirit, that we'll walk into workplaces, we'll walk into neighborhoods and towns and cities and nations with the name of Jesus as our banner, and walk in the power that's in that name in order that we can see the proof and the pudding which is life transformed by you, through you, and for you. Ultimately, we give you all the glory, and we just offer ourselves once again to you, as your humble servants, in order that you may work through us. In Jesus' name, amen.